Hi, everybody. My name is Robert. I'm an alcoholic. Nice to be here. Mark, thanks for asking me to come and share my experience, strength, and hope this afternoon. I want to congratulate. Uh, I didn't quite get all our... Uh... That's kind of rude. That's me. Uh, I want to congratulate the people uh, who are taking chips. I know there's three of them. Uh, Daniel for three years. It looks like Daniel, you're out skiing somewhere, which I'm really jealous about. And then I want to welcome, especially our newcomers. I only got three of them: Melissa for 15 days, Rose for 20, and Jay for 16. I think there was a couple more. I couldn't quite understand you, but uh, I do want to welcome you, to Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, if there's nothing more that you get from my talk, just know that. Uh, Alcoholics Anonymous is the best thing that ever happened to me uh, in my life. I got sober when I was 24, um, and I haven't had a drink since the day I walked into AA. So uh, if you've been around and you're not so sure about this AA program, uh, whether you are going to be able to stay or not, I want you to know a couple of things. One is I didn't want to get sober. Um, I knew my life was messed up. I knew I was powerless over my life, and it was completely a disaster. I had hit a pedestrian drunk, and I was in a lawsuit. I got caught embezzling some money. Uh, I had a ton of credit cards. I owed on all of them. Uh, I was dating women and sleeping with men at the same time. I was engaged to a woman. I just My life was really kind of messed up, and I knew that. Um, and I knew I couldn't stop drinking. That was obvious. I tried to stop drinking and I couldn't, um, but I didn't want to get sober. I really didn't want to stop drinking. Drinking is the only thing that ever made me feel better. Um, drinking was very powerful for me. It uh, made me smart, it gave me courage, um, and it made me feel normal. My first drink when I was 12 years old, the feeling I had, I said to myself at 12 and I got drunk, oh my God, this is what it feels like to be normal. And for the first time in my life, I felt normal. I fought like everybody else felt, um, but it just took liquor to do it. And so uh, I like drinking. Um, drinking uh, didn't make me happy. Uh, drinking just made it numb, so I didn't feel anything. I, I never liked being happy because I always end up being sad. And certainly nobody likes being sad, so I'd rather just feel nothing. And that's what alcohol did for me. So you may wonder, you know, I came into AA looking to see if AA could teach me how to drink two beers a day because I knew real men could drink two beers a day. And if you could teach me how to just drink two beers a day, I knew it would all be good. And um, I came in and I remember my very first meeting, uh, I got 12 stepped. Uh, it was really, a it was a miracle. A guy walked into my job. Um, and I asked him to go out and drink right after my girlfriend told me uh, she wouldn't marry me unless I went to AA. And uh, I just thought about calling AA and got the telephone number from 411 from 411 and put it in my back pocket. Nah, I'm not really an alcoholic. And uh, I thought, well, I'll just wait the 30 days my girlfriend wanted me to wait before I contacted her again. Because I proposed to her on a camp out in the women's bathroom and she didn't think that was really appropriate nor was very romantic and I just thought she didn't understand a guy like me she's lucky to marry me she don't need a ring she don't need flowers and it doesn't need to be a romantic night just say yes you'll marry me you know she said Robert you're an alcoholic you're a mess you've been drunk since five o'clock this morning and um, I told her I wasn't, but she said, if you go to AA, um, 
we'll talk about getting married. You need to go for 30 days. So I next day I went to work and got the phone number to AA and said, oh, I'm not really an alcoholic. And uh, in walks this guy and I asked, hey, you want to go have a drink? And he goes, I don't drink. And I said, well, what are you, an alcoholic or something? He said, why do you want to know? And I said, oh, my girlfriend thinks I have a drinking problem. This guy lit up. He was just, he lit up like a Christmas tree being turned on in New York at Rockefeller Center, you know, and uh, he talked about, he didn't drink. And I thought, I asked you if you wanted to go have a drink. I'm, I'm not interested in not drinking. I got him out of the store and he'd give me his phone number and I tore it up and I threw it in the trash. And he said, I'd never tell anybody I thought I had a drinking problem. A month later, my family throws me a birthday party and I locked myself in the house, knocked a drink and at five o'clock. I took a drink and I got drunk and I doubled the drink. I have a real Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde personality change when I drink. And um, I got belligerent. Uh, I can't tell you much about that night, but I can tell you on the way home, I cried out of my car, God help me before I kill myself or I kill somebody else because I almost hit yet another pedestrian drunk. And uh, God said, uh, very intuitive thought, why don't you call AA? So I did, I went home 10 o'clock at night, September 7th, 1980, called central office and somebody answered the phone. Tried to talk to me and I wouldn't talk to him. And uh, I went to work the next day and then walks that same guy that had come into my job a month before. And um, again, I don't know this guy. I, I know nothing about this guy. He says to me, you know what? Um, I know this is gonna sound really kind of weird. Uh, I was at home, today's my day off, I was watching TV. And God told me, go see that guy at, at the store. Uh, something's happened in his life. And uh, he said, did something happen to you? And I said, and I just told him, I said, I can't stop drinking. I called AA last night, I'm gonna go to a meeting tonight. And he said, you know what, Robert, I'm sober 60 days, I have six months in Alcoholics Anonymous. And he bought me a cup of coffee, took me out to the snack bar and 12 step me in AA. I would like to say him and I are best friends to this day, but I haven't seen him since then. Um, he, uh, he took me to one meeting, it was a candlelight meeting on a Wednesday night in uh, Redondo Beach. And I wanted to jump out the second story window because I couldn't stand it. It was too touchy feely the candlelights and them all talking about sobriety and love. And I just, I'm not that, I'm not a touchy feely kind of guy. If anybody knows me, I'm very hard to get to know. And um, loyal as can be, I'm a loyal friend. Uh, once you're my friend, but I'm hard to get to know. And I just hated that meeting. And, uh, but I have not had a drink since that day. And um, my sobriety has been full of adventures. Um, you know, the biggest thing I think that's the, the, the greatest things that ever happened to me. Um, and I know it's, this, you know, if you're new, I'm going to say some stuff and it's, this is not a religious program and I am not a religious guy. Um, I pray every day, but I pray to a God of my understanding and the God of my understanding is the rainstorm that's happening in LA today. It's the sun, it's the moon, it's the galaxy we live in. It is, you know, it is a, uh, the ant that crawls across the ground or a fly in the air. It's just nature, it is the universe. It is this magical thing called life. And that's, that's my God and it's mixed in with Christianity. 
because uh, I grew up Catholic, and I just kind of melded it all together. I used to fight it, you know, I used to fight that Catholic God. I don't anymore. I learned in A a simpler kind of way. It's just meld all that stuff together. So when I pray, I pray to a God of my understanding that's a combination of all these ideas. So the two greatest things that ever happened to me in sobriety was when I took a third step prayer when I was five years sober. And I gave my life to God as I understood God at the time. And I said, God, I will go anywhere. I will help anyone. I won't say no to an AA request to the best of my ability. I will dedicate my life to being a service to other men if you will help me not stay sober and not kill myself one day at a time. Now, that's not exactly what the third step prayer says in our book. I could recite it to you today because I say it every morning on my knees when I get out of bed. Um, but that was pretty much giving God my life and all my expectations of who I should be and what I should be. I gave it to God and I said, open up the doors. And, um, you know, today my prayer life is pretty simple. In addition to the third step prayer, the prayer that I pray most days is, you know what, God, show me what you want me to do. What is your will for me today? Help me do nothing outside of that will. I hope I have that desire in everything that I do. It's a Tom Merton prayer, you know, that prayer. And, um, you know, and show me and give me the power to do it. And uh, in, in the times of indecision, just guide me gently. Just show me what you want me to do. Because I've tried the pursuit of money and sex and prestige and property. And, you know, all of that stuff leaves you empty at the end of the day. But the one thing that leaves me fulfilled is the presence of God and the sense of helping another person. I, um, the second greatest thing that happened to me in sobriety uh, was the spiritual experience I had when I was around 15 years sober. I wasn't looking for it. Uh, as a matter of fact, I had gotten away from the steps. I don't think I'd worked a step in a while. I had a ton of resentments. I had a lot of fears and I had really bad sexual misconduct in AA. So, so much bad that when I talked to my son, I got a, my sponsor moved away and I got a new sponsor and his name was Armando. He's since passed away. And uh, I asked him to sponsor me. He said, yeah, you're going to do an inventory that waits somebody out in the big book. I want a fear inventory. I want a sex inventory. I am so sick and tired of hearing about your sex life. And I said, I never talked to you about my sex life. I'm very private about that. He goes, Robert, you've never mentioned a word about your sex life to me, but I hear it from everybody else in AA, including the men that I sponsor, and I'm sick of it. And I was Lord, I was so embarrassed and so astounded. And uh, he said, Robert, your life is a mess and you are just running self well, rhyme riot, and you didn't even know you are. And I want a fear inventory because you're running on a lot of fear. I don't know what it is, but I can see it. So I, uh, after a false start at this inventory, I, uh, he, he walked me through uh, an inventory in the book and he goes, This is the way I want it done. And it's exactly, exactly the way it's laid out in the big book. And I went home and I did it and I read it to him in his backyard. And I was really thorough and I had written a lot of stuff that I was ashamed of, a lot of stuff that I was horribly embarrassed about. And I couldn't actually read the words. I thought I'll just skip over him. He won't know. And uh, but I, something just told me just read every word, Robert, just read every word. And I read this inventory to him. And at, in, at the end of the reading of that inventory, I have spiritual experience that Bill Wilson describes. Um, in a talk he gave. It's not the one in the big book where he talks about a white light. He talks about his spiritual experience he talked about, and I didn't really 
know this until about two years ago when I heard this AA talk that Bill Wilson gave. And um, I was filled with the presence of God from the top of my head to the tip of my toes. I was filled with infinite love. And I, I mean, it, it's inadequate to use words to describe what I felt, but I can only tell you that I just felt this infinite love. I've never felt it since. Um, I never felt it before. And God kept saying to me, Robert, you're perfect the way I created you. There's nothing you can do to earn my love and there's nothing you can do to make me stop loving you. So stop trying. Stop trying to earn my love and stop thinking that I'm not going to love you because of the things you've done. And I kept arguing with God. You know, my sponsor was at, we were sitting in his backyard when I read my inventory and he was there, but he wasn't there. I can't explain it to you. I was just enveloped with God and I just said, but, but God, what about these things I've done? And he kept saying, Robert, you're perfect the way I created you. You are perfect the way I created you. And I finally got it. What separated me from God was my behavior. And what about the father's business and my business, which was to clean up my life and to clean up my amends and um, to set the, the path to the best of my ability. And I, I, you know, I, I don't walk AA perfectly. You know, the only thing I do perfectly is not drink and not pick up any kind of substance. Um, and, uh, but I do it my best, you know, sometimes I don't pray. Sometimes I get in a pace, a space where I can't pray. And I don't even beat myself up about that because Bill Wilson gave us an out with that. In the book, it says, if you can't pray, don't make too big of a deal out of it, which is amazing, right? He says, just return to prayer as soon as you are able. What a kind and loving approach Bill Wilson had to this program. And, uh, so uh, in, in, in my later years of sobriety, what I have uh, tried to practice is kindness. And uh, there's two things that are really important to me in Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, one is the, the practice of kindness, being kind to one another. And I saw it today. I saw, you know, when people were taking their chips and people were announcing their new, you know, um, there was a real enthusiasm to welcome me to AA, and it was heartfelt, I could tell. It wasn't just words that were being spouted by the assistant secretary. He meant what he was saying, welcome, we're glad you're here. We're really happy that you have achieved a modicum of sobriety in your early days, which is really tough, and we want you to keep coming back. That kindness is the most important thing to me. That hard-ass kind of, you know, false male bravado that you see at meetings sometimes, man, just dismiss it. It's nonsense. It has no place in AA. What AA has to offer is to teach you how to work the steps and, uh, and out of it, have some kind of spiritual experience which will alter your life. And I'm a very different man than I was when I walked into AA. I was talking to Charlie Carney last night, or Charlie C. He's a friend of mine. And I for some reason, I mentioned to Charlie after the meeting was over, we were talking on the phone. I said, you know, it's so funny, Charlie. I remember you used to say that I was the angriest person you had ever met. In fact, I was the angriest person in the world. The only person more angry me that was Omar Gaddafi. And he laughed. He said, I remember telling you that when you were new. That was 42 years ago, 40 years ago. He was a little younger than I am. And, uh, I said, Charlie, if you asked me what I was so angry about, I couldn't tell you. I have no idea what I was angry about when I got to AA. Uh, and today, I just uh, I try to keep things simple. Um, I uh, I am so different than the guy that walked into Alcoholics Anonymous. I uh, I uh, I really appreciate Mark sending me the letter to this meeting, and he talked about singleness of purpose and. 
I want to talk about that for a minute in a couple of minutes that I have left to talk. You know, I, uh, I didn't think I was an alcoholic. And um, I, you know, I was too young. I was 24 when I got here. How much can you drink between the age of 12 and 24? Well, apparently enough to be an alcoholic. See, the truth is I had acute pancreatitis, um, which comes from drinking. I had that when I was 21. Um, I had other signs of alcoholism, like hitting pedestrians when you're drunk and continuing to drink and drive. Um, and it could go on with a litany of other things that, that show you I'm a real alcoholic because once I start, I can't stop. But I could not see it, nor did I want to be an alcoholic because I wanted to preserve my right to drink. And the reason I love the singleness of purpose is because a woman got up to a podium when I was two years sober. She was at the Wednesday night meeting, the PG meeting where a lot of us go. And uh, she got up and she talked about the fact that she used to wrap her wine bottles in a bag. So she'd take a wine bottle, an empty one, wrap it in a paper bag, and she'd wrap all her individual wine bottles in paper bags, and then she would bind them together in another bag, and then tape them really tight so when the garbage men dumped the garbage, they wouldn't cling together, and they wouldn't say, oh my God, this woman drinks a lot. Now I was two years sober. And by the time I was two years sober, I venture to say I probably heard at least a thousand AA stories, right? At least a thousand AA stories. And I didn't identify with being an alcoholic. And that day I said, oh my God, I do the exact same thing. I do it with my liquor. I do it with my bourbon bottles and my gin bottles. I do the exact same thing. I don't want the garbage men to know how much I'm drinking. And as soon as I identified with this woman, the gates opened up and I could see my alcoholism for what it was. And I remember feeling for the first time in two years that I was a member of AA that day because I could see my alcoholism for what it was. As soon as I opened up the door just a little bit to admit that I was an alcoholic, as soon as I could see that crack just a little bit, the floodgates opened and I could see my alcoholism for what it was. And I have to tell you, if I'd been sitting in a meeting and somebody had been talking about using crack or heroin or cocaine or whatever else it is, I wouldn't be here today. It wouldn't be here today because I never did that stuff. But I drank and this woman drank like I did. That, my point is this identity is the foundation of our program. Everything relies on it that you drank like I did, that you made phone calls in the middle of the night to tell people how much you loved them when you were drunk, that you drank and you drove and you thought you were the best driver on the road. You would tell yourself you're going to have one and you think, oh my God, it's I've drank four drinks. How did I get started? I wasn't going to drink tonight. I might as well keep on going now. If you identify with that, that is the foundation of our program and I will listen to anything you have to say because you're an alcoholic of my type. And if you've done that and you've gotten sober, you have a message to carry to me and my ears are open to it. So uh, I'm a big, big proponent of singleness of purpose. And I wanna thank Mark for sending out a letter to remind us to do that. I love Alcoholics Anonymous. Welcome to my new friends here. Thanks a lot.